Over the course of the pandemic, there's been a lot of discussion about whether there is a double standard in the way COVID-19 restrictions are enforced. On and off, it has been a subject of discussion on the airwaves and online, and from time to time, videos or pictures may circulate, purporting to show visitors to Antigua and Barbuda during the pandemic not observing COVID-19 protocols. Specifically, the need to wear masks, the need to social distance, and the necessity of avoiding large gatherings. One such instance drew a response from the tourism minister two weeks ago, and that was a Valentine's Day event reportedly had at the Hodges Bay Hotel and Spa, Resort and Spa rather. A video apparently taken by a Mr. Todd Krim began to circulate on Facebook and WhatsApp rapidly, again causing some <coughs> ire amongst many residents who are abiding by the law, avoiding seeing even their family or gathering more than a handful of people. The video in circulation, which appeared to be a mashup of a few short clips from the event, featured scenes of a long dining table seating dozens of unmasked, not distanced people. It appeared that the Senegalese American artist Akon was at the event. Uh, he was videoed at a poolside gathering. No masks, no distance, no distancing, rather. Uh, it was all catalogued by Mr. Krim. Uh, he's the founder and chief executive officer of the Krim Group, TKG. Uh, he's not unknown to Antigua and Barbuda by any means and has worked here before. He was quoted in a 2019 Observer article calling his group a social impact consulting company specializing in collect connecting celebrities with causes. Uh, it was his company that booked some of the performers at the Play It Out concert in 2019 that raised awareness about plastic pollution. Uh, there were also shots or photos in circulation of well over a dozen bikini-clad women posing in the sand for photos at the beach. And no masks, no distancing. Uh, the Valentine's Day bash drew a response from the tourism minister, Charles Max Fernandez, who on February 16th published a release saying that he would seek an audience with the management of the establishment uh, over what he termed a complete breach of health and safety protocols. According to Fernandez, there's been no known case of COVID transmission at a hotel in recent times. But he added that this should not encourage such behavior and indicated that the Ministry of Health and the Ministry of Legal Affairs uh, would investigate what happened. Now, of course, tourism is Antigua and Barbuda's main industry. And hotels, some of the country's largest employers, have been struggling to attract visitors amidst the global pandemic. At the same time, there is a global pandemic, and people are dying with COVID-19 in Antigua and Barbuda, and more and more people are contracting the virus. Again, at the same time, residents are far more policed in their communities and around their businesses. Restaurants, for example, cannot open to the public at all, except for takeout, and people are not allowed to gather in large numbers. And we often read reports of those who are found in violation being fined for such offenses. So on this segment, we'll be asking our guests, is there really a double standard? And how can we balance a welcoming tourist environment uh, with public health enforcement? Uh, we're happy to be joined by Mr. Nikenji Drew. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Karen. What's up? I am quite well. Mr. Nikenji Drew is a user experience designer. Uh, we are also joined from Barbados by Mr. Adrian Loveridge. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Karen. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Loveridge is a small hotelier based in Barbados. He spent 52 years in the tourism industry across dozens of countries, both in travel and hospitality. Um, Mr. Drew, uh, and I believe, um, if I'm not incorrect, um, uh, some members of the public may know you as Beef. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Um, Mr. Drew, I, I just want to ask you, do you think that this occurrence at uh, Hodges Bay, do you see it as an isolated incident, or do you think, as, as many have been pointing out, that we, we aren't readily enforcing the rules among visitors, uh, at least not so much as we do among um, local residents? 
Well, I know for a fact that it's definitely a double standard. It's something that I've seen myself and probably experienced. But um, so it's definitely not an isolated incident. It's just that this incident was caught and made public. Um, but sorry. No, no, go ahead. Nobody, no, no interruption. Go ahead. Um, but I think like, the biggest issue comes in where, you know, the government is saying that um, our main focus or their main focus is the health and safety of the, the country. But at the same time, like certain actions speak otherwise. And I mean, if we're saying that, you know, getting into hotels as packed as possible is the main focus, and, you know, that's okay. But then it just becomes problematic when, you know, health and safety is put at the forefront. But then it seems as if how that is executed is completely contrary to what they're saying. And then now you have a situation where locals may feel as if you know they're policed a lot more harshly than um, tourists. And then I also want to point out that tourists is not just you know. Re, um, non-nationals visiting NT, but also returning nationals who are just visiting for a short period of time. So on the flip side of that same coin, um, it becomes a bit of a double-edged sword because then these visiting returning nationals also bear a lot of social responsibility in the way in which they conduct themselves. So when they decide to go and mess around or like break certain rules then it makes the locals look bad and then that gives the government i guess you could say um ground to stand on to say okay you know what we're going to be more restrictive to locals but then it then creates another situation like i mentioned earlier where the locals who are here feel as if the tourists and in this case they're referring to uh visiting non-nationals to have them be the ones who just can do anything that they want while everybody else is locked down. Well, Mr. Mr. Adrian Loveridge, let me ask you, have you had similar um, uh, news reports, concerns in Barbados? Uh, anything similar occurred? And, and, and just your initial reaction to uh, this news coming out of Antigua. Yes, we have, sadly. Uh, up until the 26th of December last year, uh, the government had managed to contain um, COVID-19 very, very well, exceptionally well. Um, from the 26th onwards, uh, a number of events took place, both with locals and visitors, which really then mushroomed um, uh, the number of confirmed cases. We're up to 33 deaths now, and I'm not quite sure exactly how many active cases there are, somewhere around seven or 800. So it's something that uh, the government here has been very carefully watching, monitoring, and wherever possible, uh, controlling um, the abuse. Of course, the critical thing about tourism is that, yes, we need overseas visitors, we need local visitors, staycations, etc. but it is the, the people with, that work within the industry that are most critical to look after those guests. And therefore, as well as having healthy visitors, um, we need healthy workers within the industry locally as well. Well, let me ask you, um, uh, Mr. Loveridge, and then I'll come back to Mr. Drew. Uh, what do you make of the response to it from the, the tourism minister? Uh, he made a number of statements. He said that there was going to be uh, an investigation. 
um, from two other ministries. He talked about the Ministry of Health and the Ministry of Legal Affairs. Uh, he also said, of course, that um, uh, there's there's not a time to be to be lax. There's not a time to 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 be uh, not cautious. Uh, what do you make of, of of the response from the minister? Well, I'm not fully privileged to what uh, your minister of tourism has said, but um, certainly uh, to investigate any uh, uh, abuse of the the COVID um, rules is essential and um, again to monitor at the moment we have um, the government has instigated groups of people that go out into high risk areas to monitor the situation we're under a curfew um, from from 7 in the evening until 6 a.m. the following day um, 7 days a week so uh, people here are taking it very very seriously I mean We've been fairly lucky within the Caribbean, but we don't have to look far outside of our shores. In North America, of course, in the United States, half a million deaths worldwide, 2.5 million deaths and growing. So it's not a situation that any government or minister can personally control. It's down to every individual um, within their countries to 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 um, fully participate and avoid these unnecessary incidents. And Mr. Mr. Drew, what did, what did you think of the uh, response coming from the, the tourism minister? Well, I mean, the minister said everything that he needed to say. To say he said all of the right things. And I, if we were to look back at any other statements that the ministry put out, um, they were fairly consistent in that message. Um, where the issue is is that. Even though these messages are put out from, if we're going back as far as when the airport opened, I think it was June last year, um, up until now, um, there are a lot of um, un underlying stakeholders in the tourism industry that have just been putting out like contrary messages to that, or like conducting themselves in ways that don't necessarily align to what they're saying. Like a most recent example would be that sexploration event that they were looking to have here, um, I think in June this year. And if you were looking at the advertising that was done for it, it was, it was pushing Antigua as an island of debauchery, no rules, like whatever you want to do, you can just do. So it's basically escape your COVID jail from wherever you're coming from and come down to an island and you know enjoy yourself. And the connotations from that also can continue into some of the international travel agents that um, market in Antigua for us. And I think I made um, a comment about, I think, American Airlines. And when I was looking to come back to Antigua in December, um, I was looking for information about COVID protocols and, you know, what exactly I needed to do to return. Because I, um, I was just looking for if I need to do a PCR test, if I need to quarantine the government facility, so on and so forth. And the lady was just like, you know, you just need to get a PCR test done within seven days. And then after that, you're good to go. So I was like, well, what about quarantine and that stuff? He's like, no, once you have a seven day, um, a PCR test that's not older than seven days, then, you know, you're good. You can free to, you're free to do whatever you want. Now, she may have had very incorrect information. So, you know, this is not a knock against her. But then somebody calling them to make a, a booking they're not going to know that she's giving them incorrect information. They're just going to think, oh, sweet, Antigua is open. You know, let me just go down there and, you know, do whatever I want. If I just have to wear a mask, but I could do anything um, that I see fit, then 
you know, that's exactly what's going to happen. Well, uh, Mr. Mr. Adrian Loveridge, that issue, um, and I'll pull it up. We were had a question uh, for later in the segment, but I'll pull up that question, which is we, we have the issue of promoters and other influencers um, in, in various parts of the industry, and also, as I said, uh, influencers online who make a job of going from location to location, uh, you know, doing reviews and promoting it on their own social media space. Uh, we have the issue of a number of, of, of these individuals promoting Antiguan Barbuda as if they were furious restrictions on visitors, almost no restrictions sometimes. Uh, and it, it, it has given out this image at times. Uh, and various persons, including the government, have, have complained about it. It has given the image that, uh, you know, if you come to Antigua, there's no restrictions. You don't have to wear a mask. You don't have to distance. You can do whatever you want. You can have a grand old time. Uh, and there's no pandemic here. Um, how do we actually deal with that situation? Being that, you know, these aren't persons who, who work for the state. They, they, they can't take orders from the government. These are many times independent persons within the industry putting out the wrong message. I think it's an almost impossible situation to deal with within social media. I can only speak from the, what our government has done, and that is to have uh, very um, comprehensive information posted and available online so that anyone remotely thinking about booking to Barbados from any country in the world can see what the criteria is and uh, base their judgment on that um, criteria. I think um, that, that's all we can hope that can be done, that um, all the responsible entities uh, reinforce uh, and update uh, daily what the accurate information is so that no one can be under any doubt whatsoever. Um, it, it, it's a very fine balance. Um, we all want our tourism numbers to resume. We want to go back to something that vaguely re uh, resembles normality. But um, over the next uh, couple of months, this is going to be a very critical time for all of us in the Caribbean. Um, I see that um, uh, uh, Antigua and Barbuda is about to, um, to receive 40,000 vaccines from the government and people of India. We were very lucky that the same government donated um, 100 vaccines to us. And I notice in um, the power who has issued a media release today that there's another 300,000 doses on their way to Barbados and the Eastern Caribbean. I think um, Antigua will get uh, roughly 40,800 of those Barbados because, of course, we have a larger population, 100,000. Um, so this next two or three months is going to be absolutely critical to control and hopefully um, uh, prevent any spread of the virus. And um, coming back to you, Mr. Drew, on the, the, the question more specifically of how can we go about uh, dealing with that issue um, where we have persons who may not be so directly uh, employed or under the thumb of anyone uh, that we could easily, you know, uh, get out to and say, well, you need to stop doing this. Uh, how do you control what these persons put out? How do you uh, influence the influencers to um, stop influencing people to do dumb things? Well, if you're honest, a lot of these influencers are actually paid influencers. Um, a lot of, like, you would probably think that a lot of people you see marketing stuff on social media as, you know, honest um, contributors to whatever it is that they're promoting at that time. But more often than not, it would be a situation where, and this is just hypothetically speaking, the ministry may have reached out to them, offered them like maybe a package or maybe there was a particular hotel and not the ministry that did that, um, to come, visit, promote, share, um, whatever marketing material that they have. Um, it may just be that they 
come experience the island and then they're encouraged to um, document everything that they did and put things in their own words. It may not just be like a, a canned statement or whatever that's coming directly from the ministry. But um, so there is some leeway when it comes to that. Um, if it's a situation now where incorrect information is being put out there, they can obviously, you know, reach out to the social media companies and report false information. But like a lot of times it's really them needing to police the persons that they are employing or encouraging to do their sharing. All right. And um, for instance, when we look at um, the, the question of consequences, I mean, uh, somebody in Antigua um, who has a gathering uh, outdoors, uh, I, I believe I read a story in The Observer this week, or maybe it was last week, about a, a lady who has uh, faced fines. I think she was arrested and faced fines. She was brought before the court um, for a gathering. I believe it was either four or more people outdoors. Um, you know, we're seeing uh, pictures coming out of this event with, uh, you know, uh, well over a dozen people uh, in, a, in a very lively situation. Uh, can we have that same sort of enforcement? Should we have that same sort of enforcement? Should people be arrested and fined and brought before the court uh, just as locals are? That's to, that's to you, Mr. Drew. Definitely. Um, but again, I, I don't want this to be like a thing where we're coming against the... Um, the non-nationals that are visiting here because at the same time, and I think something that often gets overlooked is that there are a lot of returning nationals who are visiting, who are also breaking the COVID protocols as well. So like we really need to come down on them as like a, as a society as well and try to hold them to the same standards that we're trying to hold everyone to. With that being said, um, Yes, I do definitely believe that the non-nationals who are visiting need to be brought up towards the same level of strict guidelines that we are on. But I think the ministry and maybe the hotel association may come back and say, like, look, we have to do this little dance where we're balancing the economy against the public health. And they may also say, you know, there may be some risk involved with doing this and i can totally understand that as well but i think what probably needs to be done is that needs to be more adequately communicated to the public and there may be a little bit of sensitization that may need to happen in order to get that done and that would probably combat any you know backlash that they may get in the press but um if we're saying and if the message that we're putting out there is that look we are 100% strict with this stuff and health, health, health is, you know, the way forward, then our actions need to, to, to reflect that as well, too. And uh, Mr. Adrian Loveridge, uh, for instance, residents are, are picked up by the police, taken to court, fined for COVID violations, and, and, and in many cases, violations that weren't as gross as, as what we saw uh, in the, the instance at the hotel we're discussing. Um, and it is, it is upsetting to people to see visitors sometimes behave as if there were no pandemic. Uh, should we see visitors treated in the same way by the police? And I ask you as a, as a hotelier, I mean, I can't imagine mm -hmm. what effect it would have on your ability to gain business, you know, the sort of uh, Oh, absolutely. Uh, there should be one rule, one law mm -hmm. for 
all. And there have been some high-profile cases um, which have taken extensive media coverage worldwide on Barbados, um, a, a model and uh, actress uh, recently um, was um, fined heavily um, uh, and did face, in fact, imprisonment. Um, and there have been a number of other cases. So it, um, I would like to think our government would uh, apply the same laws to both residents. Um, and as the other contributor mentioned to returning nationals, and for the local population, it should be one rule that governs all. And do you think there is a... a, a a greater onus on managers? I mean, for instance, because you, 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 the tendency we have, and I can at least speak to Antigua, is that a hotel tends to be a large property um, mm -hmm. where there's, there's not access to the public, not as if police are just regularly walking through. Um, I, don't know that, I don't know if any of you might think that that needs to be the case in this instance, but uh, usually they manage their own affairs. And so when we see these things happen, uh, inevitably it's because management has allowed it to happen. So is there a greater onus on management to enforce the rules or on visitors to simply recognize the rules nationally and, and follow them? Well, from my perspective, I think the management of each property should uh, manage in accordance with what the rules are. I don't think they should in any way um, encourage uh, these breaches of protocol to go. Uh, and um, in terms of, again, I can only speak for Barbados, but where we have specific quarantine hotels, um, those are regularly, I understand, inspected by the local police. They are uh, visited on a daily basis, uh, perhaps more than daily. Um, so th there is, in fact, some sort of um, uh, policing of of um, hotels at the moment here on Barbados. And uh, to you, Mr. Drew, the issue of uh, where the bulk of the responsibility is. You, you, you have a hotel property, really and truly, you're managing all the affairs that, that go on inside. Um, is it more so your responsibility as management to make sure that the national rules for COVID are being followed by your guests, or, or is it for the guests to volunteer to do so? No, it's definitely on the management. And I guess if you want to look at a prime example of that, or of that principle, um, just look at the restaurants locally. They were, like before, they were completely shut down. Like I think the Ministry of Health did an evaluation of all of them and gave them like a, a building code or a recommendation like this is your maximum capacity and if you should exceed that then you know we're going to shut you down and that essentially was done so it's not like the police had come in there to okay you know lock up a couple of people and then you know just go from that they are going after the restaurant owners and in that same token the same principle needs to be applied to the hoteliers as well and um, what sort of reaction would you, I mean, we've, we've spoken about the reaction of the, the ministry, the government, the Minister of Tourism. Uh, in this instance, I'm not particularly sure, I could be wrong, but um, I don't think we've seen anything publicly from the Hotel and Tourism Association. I could be wrong, um, but I, I haven't taken note of anything. Uh, how would you expect the Hotel and Tourism Association to respond to this, um, this controversy, uh, Mr. Drew? Or how would you want well, to see them respond? The weird thing with the Antigua Hotel Association is that they kind of have to be the, the 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 middleman in all of this because on one hand they're dancing to um, the hotels because they are the representation for the hotels on the other hand like they also have a responsibility to the public so it's not like they're gonna 
have like a harsh stance against the hotels, but it would probably be like a more muted response. And I can understand and accept that. Um, it's not really their responsibility. We'd probably get like a canned response from them basically saying, you know what, this is wrong. We condemn these actions and we will speak about it. Whether or not that conversation actually happens with, you know, those hoteliers, it may end up just being like a slap in the wrist and like, hey, control your stuff and, you know, don't let it get out into the public. But um, I honestly, I'm not really expecting too much from them. I, I would probably more expect um, a stricter or more stern response from the ministries, the Ministry of Health and the Ministry of Tourism. And I guess anything can funnel through from that towards the hotel association. But from this association itself, um, if I'm completely honest, I'm not expecting that much. Uh, and to you, Mr. Adrian Loveridge, uh, how do you think the uh, local ho hotel and tourism association should best respond to the situation? Well, again, it, it's in a situation where the it's private sector body representing the hotels. But as far as I know, um, the, the rules are the same on Antigua and Bar Barbados. All hotels have to be licensed. And in the most extreme cases, I would think that would be the ultimate deterrent that um, government could suspend the license of a hotel for a specific period until it was happy that that hotel and its management were fully conforming with the necessary protocol. And I would ask you, um, again, coming from the perspective of a hotelier, uh, it must be a, a terribly difficult thing to be operating throughout uh, this industry, just as it is for restauranteurs, just as it is for so many, so many people that, that deal with foot traffic and are also related. I mean, all the industries are, are linked. Um, do you think that... Uh, well, I, I shouldn't say do you think, but are there any recommendations you would have uh, for managing the experience in a way that remains safe but does not overly give the sense that persons cannot come and enjoy uh, a vacation? Well, I think um, tourism is, uh, we've been in the business for a very, very long time in the Caribbean. It's a critical industry for the majority of the islands within the region and we cannot look at this as a very short-term thing we have to look towards recovery and we have to act in the very best interests of those people that have been um, giving us their loyal business over generations and uh, it would be foolish i think of any destination to entice people into a destination whichever that destination is if it wasn't safe to do so I think now my advice would be that we should work towards recovery. We should work towards um, uh, vaccination of all those that want it. Um, and we should look at some sort of recovery period now where perhaps in six months or a year's time, we can hand on heart and say, it's now safe to come back to the Caribbean and um, this nightmare will be over hopefully for a very long time. Uh, and coming back to you, uh, Mr. Drew, would you have any uh, recommendations on that level where we, while maintaining the protocols that ensure public health, um, we, we are careful not to uh, give the impression that you can't come to Antigua because, of course, we still want tourists to come? Yeah, and, and I mean, I'm in agreement uh, with everything you just said, and I'll even go a step further and say, like, I think right now we probably market Antigua as a luxury tourist destination, which is fine in principle. Um, but I think we should probably go 
a step further and then say, look, maybe we should pivot a bit and have our unique selling point be like, look, this is a safe place. This is a very safe ecosystem. So then if you're coming from a country that's being harassed by COVID and you know people are dying by the thousands daily, then you know you can come and escape to this place where you know we have this under control. So I don't know if the maybe we're calling a new term here like safety tourism or like whatever you would want to call it. So like the selling part, like I said, is the safety of the place that you're coming to. Like you know we have COVID under control, and in order for you to come into this bubble, like we have certain rules or whatever else. But then you know once you meet up to whatever parameters that we set then you know you can feel free to come here so then what may end up happening and you know this is just completely hypothetical if the other destinations that we are competing with don't have their COVID situation under control and we can adequately we can um, certainly say that hey we have less than 20 cases and everything is cool then they would probably be more likely to come here because then they're running away from COVID in their destination and they're coming here to a place that it is essentially stamped out. And um, I'll ask the same question to Mr. Loveridge, but I'll ask you this question as well. Uh, we <laughs> we heard mention of an investigation. Um, now, the tendency in Antigua and Barbuda, and at least this has been my experience over years of doing uh, reporting with Observer, is that usually the government says there's going to be an investigation into this. You know, the public, there's an outcry about something and the government says, okay, well, there's going to be an investigation. You know, and then you don't really hear about the results of that. You don't get any summary of, of what uh, transpired, what were the causes, what action was taken to remedy it. Uh, do you think that it's important in this instance that uh, because this has been such a controversy and everyone is aware of it, um, that we do get some result of that from the government? If they say, yes, we are going to do an investigation, that they actually follow up and come back and say, this is what we found. We found it, it, was, the, it was the fault of, of this person, that person, maybe not specific people, but broadly, uh, some result that they could share with the public and uh, what was done in response. Oh, absolutely. Uh, to be seen and to be seen to be done, I think, um, would the, be the phrase I would use, that you have to investigate it. You have to ensure that every person within that particular property is aware of the facts and, and the dangers posed by not adhering to the protocol. It, it's an educational experience because it's not just the manager, it's all the staff and the, st the family of the staff that are working there that are at risk. Um, you know, every hotel worker probably has a brother or sister, aunt or cousin, a mother, a grandmother. It, you know, and when they leave that place of work each evening and, and risk their, the, the rest of their family, that's, that's where we really have a problem. And um, so, therefore, a, a government investigation is, is absolutely critical, but also to ensure that the public at large and the entire tourism industry knows what has, has been done in response to any breaches of protocol. And the same question to you, Mr. Drew. Um, uh, an investigation has, has, been, has been touted. Uh, should the public have some summary, at least, report of what came out of that at some point in the future? Yeah, the public should have some summary of it, but you can't offer a summary for something that may not be done. So even though we may want to see something come of it. So you're like, saying you're, you're not confident that such an investigation no, will take no, place? I mean, you know, okay, if I'm honest with you, what I think happened is that they probably just like, hey, 
come on, guys, what are you doing? Like, keep your people under control. And then it's like a slap in the wrist. And I think until it gets to a point where there is habitual abuse of or the total disregard for the protocols, then it may just end up being like a slap in the wrist type situation. And then when the public outcry becomes a lot louder, then it'd be like, okay, cool. This is like the third time. You can probably have to really look into this. But like a first-time offense for something like this, and yeah, yeah it's probably a slap on the wrist. Well, Mr. Adrian Loveridge, I mean, that, that phrase there, slap on the wrist, is, is, is it a danger in this situation that we, we see a violation of this nature and the response is a slap on the wrist? Does that, does that pose a threat? To us. Uh, it depends on the severity of the slap on the wrist, I would say. If, if, if it was me, if I was a manager of the property that was mentioned, and I, had, um, I risked losing my license and therefore the, the ability to operate a hotel, repay any debt, and employ staff, and survive, um, it would be more than a slap on the wrist. So I think the um, penalty has to be... Um, in tune with the risk uh, of, of what that person is taking. Um, that, 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 you know, it has to be fair and equitable, but it has to match the potential risk that that property is um, posing uh, to the rest of the population. Do you think at the least that um, the response should include uh, at the specific property um, a periodic inspection, maybe health inspectors um, yeah. from time to time, uh, however they negotiate it? Do you think that that's a reasonable position? Absolutely. In fact, um, I would be surprised if that hadn't already been put in place, that that property is now on the watch list and um, that government inspectors would be there on a frequent, uh, regular basis. Um, that would be a given in in my interpretation. Certainly from Barbados, I would think um, that would almost certainly have happened. All right, we're going to have... The, 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 go ahead, go ahead, Mr. Drew, go ahead, Mr. Drew, but you'll be our final, you'll be our final speaker. Leave us with our with final With that particular word. situation, um, and the reason why I... I'm very skeptical about it because if we look at the two statements that were released, one from the, the police and one from the hotel itself, police were basically <laughs> saying that despite it being a live video um, in one case, they were saying that, you know, it's probably Photoshop and, you know, they was editing in a particular way to look a particular way. And then on the case of the hotel, they were just like, oh, the, re the reason why the, um, the waitress was not wearing a mask is because she was taking a, she was doing a photo op and they honestly didn't take any responsibility at all for the um the media that left that leaked um about the situation so then if you have the hotel that's not taking any responsibility and the police that are essentially saying you know it's, it's fake news then why would anyone in the public think that something is going to come of it so yeah anyway we uh <laughs> We thank you for leaving us with our final word, um, and we hear you clearly. Uh, I want to say thanks to both our guests, uh, Mr. Nikenji Drew, he, uh, many know him as Beef, he joined us, as well as uh, Mr. Adrian Loveridge uh, from Barbados. Thanks to both of you. Thank you, Carol. Thank you.